Hi everyone, and welcome to our weekly podcast brought to you by VJ Oncology. Today, we bring you an engaging episode recorded during the esteemed IWCAR-T meeting in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're joined by three distinguished experts in the field of oncology, Dr. Jay Randolph-Hecht from UCLA Santa Monica Medical Center in California, who will be chairing this discussion, Dr. Diane Simone from NYU Langone Health in New York City, and Dr. Xian Xinhua from the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Together, we will explore the groundbreaking advances in research surrounding the use of CAR-T in GI cancers, including nanobodies, neoendocrine tumors, and studies surrounding novel pancreatic cancer therapies. Um, my name is Randy Hecht. I um, lead the GI oncology program at UCLA, and I'm happy to be here at IWCAR-T. And we have two distinguished guests with us, um, Dr. Shinjin Hua, who is from Penn, and Dr. Diane Simeone, um, who is at NYU. And we've just finished a really nice session on GI oncology and CAR-T. Um, and in particular, Dr. Wah presented a very interesting, um, actually, data set based on a novel CAR-T that, that he's been involved with, really, from identification of the target all the way you know, to developing the CAR. Would you like to give us some information about this? Yeah. So we uh, started to uh, identify some uh, GI, uh, GI cancer-specific uh, target tumor-associated uh, antigen and also uh, antibody, special nanobody. So for that reason, we just screen the, uh, the antibody, which specifically bind this type of tumor, and uh, without knowing what it binds. Then with this uh, antibody isolated, we further identify its target that turned out to be CD17, which is a, a grade uh, tumor-associated antigen. You know, um, one of the things from your talk, if you could just talk for a minute about nanobodies in general, because not everyone might be familiar with that. It's a really kind of a neat concept. Sure. So nanobody, unlike a regular antibody, like a human body has, it's only uh, have a single domain called a single domain antibody. Uh, and uh, the advantage for this is uh, it can directly uh, redirect a CAR T cell to a tumor uh, with a single domain without, uh, uh, like the regular antibody, you have the shovel, uh, variable region, heavy region, and you don't know which one work better. Some may never work uh, uh, at all. And the nanobody is developed how? So nanobody is uh, uh, usually uh, expressed from uh, like a camellia family of animals and uh, like llamas. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, which is which is neat that, that we're able to you know to leverage that. And so, do you want to say some more just about some of your preclinical data with um, you know particularly what looks interesting with um, CDH17? Yeah, so I think uh, one key thing is that uh, uh, this CD17, uh, not, not a body can direct uh, the CAR T cell to uh, GI uh, cancer to eradicate uh, the cancer in multiple uh, model of uh, clinical, uh, preclinical studies. And the key fact, uh, key, uh, a key, uh, key, a key role is uh, uh, that uh, not only uh, eradicate tumor and also 
it does not uh, kill the normal cell, which may happen to express this, uh, yeah, this protein. I think those are two really important things. So one is that CAR-Ts have really been, the reason that we're here is because they have not, um, really we're on the cusp, we have not really been developed in GI cancers, even though they've been incredibly successful in um, hematologic cancers. And I think the other thing that's really important is finding these targets, because really over the last decade or so, um, attempts to use CAR-Ts and other cellular therapies in GI cancers really have been fraught with severe toxicity you know, on target, off tumor. And the fact that you haven't seen that so far is, is good. Right. And so what would you say would be, are the next steps in the development? I know you have a partner. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you summarized that very well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so going forward, uh, uh, the, this technology has been licensed to Chimerica Therapeutics, and uh, which uh, already uh, assembled a very impressive uh, team to uh, get all the uh, procedures established and moving uh, forward for a clinical trial. And where are you for getting into um, first in human? Uh, where uh, this, uh, it, I think in the detail, uh, as I mentioned, uh, is uh, uh, Dr. Jason Deaton uh, is uh, in the meeting. He'll get to it. Uh, I, but in brief, is uh, we will uh, get this started at the University of Pennsylvania and uh, uh, enroll patients there. Which of course has you know one of the greatest experience with cellular therapies. The other th one last thing, and then I'm going to ask um, Dr. Simeone. But um, and you actually, I assume, also work with neuroendocrine tumors. And so not only were these as as do as as do I. So not only um, does this look look like an interesting target in the um, and currently the second and, and third most common cause of cancer death. in you know was it pancreas and colon? I think you had also yeah, seen as well as yeah, as well as upper GI. Yeah. But also one that's often forgotten, which are neuroendocrine tumors, which there, there have been some improvements in, in outcomes, but, um, and they tend to do much better than patients like with pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma that, um, that you know, Dr. Simeone knows so well. But there's really not that much, you know, especially from a cellular therapy standpoint, looking at this. Or, I may not be where you want to go first. Are you thinking about looking at neuroendocrine tumors at, at any point in the future? Yeah, so that's, uh, in fact, uh, the, uh, now the tentative uh, plan is to target uh, both uh, neuroendocrine tumor and also uh, other GI cancer because uh, CJ17 is uh, upregulated uh, in most of uh, GI cancer like gastric cancer and uh, colorectal cancer as well as uh, as well as over 95% of GI neuroendocrine tumor. So basically you can cover. Is there a difference between um, like grade one and grade two as opposed to grade three neuroendocrine tumors? And particularly poorly differentiated grade three neuroendocrine tumors are really almost a different disease. They're like small cell and they're really bad. Luckily they're pretty rare. Um, while grade one and grade two and grade three well differentiated are, are not common, but a lot more common and, and people tend to do well. Is there a difference by grade? Yeah, that's a very good point. In fact, uh, mm -hmm. in the uh, uh, GI uh, net, so grade one, grade two uh, uh, express, uh, express more, uh, uh, more of this uh, antigen, CD17, and the, in a highly, uh, high, in a very high grade, uh, so as you said, almost the, like lost the uh, net uh, phenotype, so usually uh, fewer uh, tumor express CD17. Have you seen one other, one last thing is that, um, 
Um, have you seen um, much in the way of, of you know, on-target um, toxicity? Because not only do you think about the usual things, which would be the GI tract, but also, you know, you do need your neuroendocrine cells in your pancreas, for example, to make insulin. Um, you know, we certainly with immune checkpoint inhibitors, we, we do get diabetes, autoimmune diabetes. Have you seen any, when you're in your animal models, have you seen any effects on, on normal neuroendocrine tumors? Yeah, that's a very good point. In fact, so uh, CD17 is a very good uh, uh, TAA or tumor associated antigen for, uh, for Nazis uh, in, uh, in insulin secreting beta cell, so it's not expressed, oh, it's zero. Okay. So better. only gain uh, after dysregulated uh, uh, during the mutation or tumor genesis, uh, uh, CD17 is upregulated in the uh, eyelid tumor, eyelid cell. So it's uh, actually it's an idea target uh, as uh, the data so far show. So let's go from a relatively uncommon tumor whose ribbon actually has zebra stripes on it to which will soon be the second most common cause of cancer death in the United States, which is pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma. Dr. Simeone, you want to talk about really your wonderful program that you've set up nationally um, to try to, you know, to look at this both at NYU where you are, um, but also trying to get patients into novel studies. Sure. So one thing that has struck me over the years working in this field is that there was a there were a lot of studies that were being done at individual centers, single arm, phase two studies, and maybe the straw that we've all been there. Mm -hmm. well, straw that broke the camel's back was when everyone was excited about anti PD one therapy, and I think there were six or seven different mm -hmm. single arm phase two studies done. Uh, all at institutions at the same time, all negative, no real communication. And uh, it just got me thinking that I think we can do better as a field if we set up a platform that can allow us to work more effectively together. So with that, uh, and in partnership with a large nonprofit called Pancan, we set up a adaptive phase two, three platform trial, which has a lot of economies of function that um, make it much more favorable to test new therapeutics. One is all the um, uh, uh, experimental therapies can use a common control arm for standard of care therapy. So that in and of itself saves a lot of patients from having to get standard of care therapy instead of a, an exciting therapeutic. Two, the trial has a seamless phase two, three design. So if you test a new therapeutic in the phase two setting and it's effective, you don't have to pause, you just keep going. And um, it only takes another All 75 patients. So mm -hmm. with a total of 175 patients, you can go from the start of a phase two to um, FDA registration ready data set, which uh, really can probably save half of the time and half of the cost of a clinical trial. And our, certainly our patients need it sooner rather than later. Two other things, you also presented some really wonderful translational data, which I know is more from your institution. Is there an interaction between, you know, which, which is not just for like signal transduction inhibitors and other immune therapies, but also perhaps one day for cellular therapies. Um, is that also, you know, part of the national trial as well? Or is that really more site from a different sites? What I presented today was our own program's analysis at looking at um, 
pancreatic tissue samples and uh, with single cell seq analysis to try to discern the immune landscape of pancreatic cancer as it exists both in the primary and metastatic setting as it exists in response to chemotherapy, but also uh, to be positioned to look how it might change in response to uh, any variety of clinical trial regimens. In fact, we have uh, just completed a phase 1B clinical trial in partnership uh, with NYU and Dana-Farber, where it was actually very effective in, in showing us a readout that match responding patients to a combination immunotherapy-based regimen. Um, as we go into the CAR-T era right, with pancreatic ask. cancer, I think it sets us up well to understand um, the effect of CAR-T, to be able to ideally visualize the CAR-T in pancreatic uh, tissues. You know, it's always been thought that you can't penetrate into the, the shield of pancreatic cancer because of its dense stroma. Um, I don't know if that's completely true. We definitely see patients that do have responses uh, to therapy. Uh, I would, I, I think that tells us that perhaps that um, dense um, stroma is maybe more plastic than we think and uh, uh, no, can no. react to therapies. Precision promise is sort of often, that's a huge, that really is something that's wonderful um, from a national standpoint, but you're also taking part in CAR-T trials as well. And in fact, you're getting ready, yeah. you know, um, to you know, to sort of embark on this. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the CAR-T trial that you're involved in? Sure. So mm -hmm. CAR-T therapy always seemed a far distance away for pancreatic cancer, but actually a colleague, Will Go, um, who uh, has a broad experience in the CAR-T field, reached out to me with a new approach with a company called A2 Bio uh, uh, Therapeutics. And here it is um, based on the concept of using a uh, tumor targeting antigen, but also there's a blocker that's built to so it's try to augment on target effect and mitigate off target effect. And conceptually, um, the study design looked very promising. So we've been screening patients for this trial, as is your center. We've number. been screening about the same number, but you've been more fortunate. And so, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but we have identified uh, now two pancreatic cancer patients that have the correct phenotype in their tumor and have undergone leukapheresis and, and one patient is, is actually, uh, will be ready to go as soon as the cells are, are, are ready, which will be in about three or four weeks. So that's gonna be a very exciting. We're all really excited about this. And so um, a lot of, this is actually a fairly large trial, not just at UCLA and NYU, but multiple large centers, you know, across the country. And, you know, one of the questions is that can we kind of crack the, you know, the hard nut of these difficult cancers, particularly pancreatic cancer, as we used to say, pancreatic cancer is low hanging fruit, it's just really well attached. And so, you know, we're hopeful that one of your, one of the ways that you're looking at this will help our patients. I know we're really excited and been, <coughs> excuse me, I've been looking for our pancreatic cancer patients and colorectal and lung cancer patients as well who are involved in the trial. Yeah, so um, I think it's a well-designed trial. It's a very collaborative trial, and um, it brings us to this meeting. People like you or me that are not CAR-T therapy experts, but experts in the diseases we take care of. So I think this is a great platform for uh, interdisciplinary co collaboration. Well, we know it doesn't work. And I think you actually brought up some of this and throwing immunotherapy spaghetti against the wall mm -hmm. without really understanding the biology we know, at least in these difficult cancers, has not worked. I think some of the things that, for example, that Dr. Wah has done, you're going from the other way, looking at the molecule and 
hopefully this will also be helpful. Don't worry, there's a lot of room for a lot of these targets and for, for CAR-T, whether it's, um, for example, the Everest trial, which is starting with CEA and mesothelin, or whether it's CDH17, or actually the really exciting data um, with Claudin 18.2, though I am concerned with that about the short duration of response. And there's, you know, but first you got to get responses, and it's nice that we're getting responses. So we look forward to your data and, and obviously also the, you know, the Everest trials as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of VJ Oncology. We hope you found our discussion on CAR-T clinical advances for GI cancers educational and exciting. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, including Apple, Podbean and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver our expert-led content directly to you. You can also follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and visit vjoncology.com for up-to-date news in the field of oncology. See you soon.